Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zinati Kuma. Tackling your stock-related questions this evening are Rikas Riedis from PSG Wealth Reimsich and Sanelisiwe Tofile from All Weather Capital. Don't forget to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thanks so much, gentlemen, for your time. Quite a turnaround that we're seeing in global markets. Uh, we started to see kind of a, 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 the U.S. markets yesterday trying to stage a rebound, um, but really struggling. But today, a firm uh, trading in the green, also filtering through to the JSC. Um, looking at the top 40, Nasdaq is up and the uh, commodity stocks are up. Sanlisiwe, uh, is this just maybe a China story? Yes, Zanati, uh, uh, thank you for that question. Um, it usually is a China story. Um, it was, it's obviously the biggest com uh, consumer of commodities, for example. So when there was any good news coming out of that region, There'll always be some kind of feed through to our commodities and obviously NASPIS and process being um, holders of uh, large holders of the 10 cent share that will always also uh, you know feed through to to, to those guys following what, what's happening in that market mm. um, but the, the difficulty with this environment really is that um, you know every day there's sort of new pieces of information that are either conflicting or confirming issues that have been talked about so there's going to always be a lot of volatility um, you know, you see, like you said, you know, a couple of days ago, everything was down, today it's up. So I think this is really an environment that you have to be quite cautious. I mean, we all want to see green going up on screens, but uh, we really just have a, a, a cautious view and looking at this volatility, I think we, we're going to have to we have to deal with it for quite a, a while to come. And you know, it's taken quite some time for the optimism on China to filter through because, I mean, throughout the week, I had been talking about um, China re relaxing its restrictions. Was this just markets waiting, uh, Rickers, for uh, just the jitters of the Fed to kind of pass through? Or do those still linger? And this is just uh, maybe a one-day or a few-day bounce? Well, it's... It's interesting. A month or so ago, everybody was complaining that China's um, COVID policy was um, a silly idea. Now they are complaining that with the reopening, you're going to see a spike in uh, hospitalization and also stress on the, you know, sort of on the health environment in China. So it's always a bit schizophrenic. But yeah, I think people were, were waiting for some kind of change in policy not from the Chinese government, but from Ping himself, because he is the government at the moment. Um, so there's a lot of optimism surrounding um, the news itself. And as I've previously stated, there's money to be made in China. But the risk of Ping at any day deciding to enact any kind of policy um, that will hurt investors um, is huge. He's not investor-friendly. The only thing he is concerned about is maintaining his power on what happens in China. Hmm. Right. Talking about uh, the markets, there's actually a question here. Uh, year to date, the NASDAQ is down 13, uh, well, 30%, and the S&P down 17%. Does the panel see a full or partial recovery in these indexes for 2023? And I guess also the timing within the year uh, also matters. Sanelisiwe? 
So, I mean, in my view, I don't think there's going to be any great recovery. A lot of those uh, shares you mentioned, the NASDAQ particularly, you know, having shares which are considered to be growth shares, where their profits are, uh, for a lot of them, are quite heavily weighted towards further in the future, they are quite heavily impacted by interest rates. So, you know, you've had the Fed hiking interest rates quite aggressively this year after being quite slow on their laurels um, in the early parts of the year. And, you know, we think that there's obviously going to be a further kind of rate hiking path higher. Uh, it might not be as aggressive as what we've seen so far, but interest rates are going to still be higher. And with inflation kind of seeming to be quite sticky at, at a high level, sort of across the globe, really, um, you have a situation where central banks have to react. So that means rates are probably going to be higher for longer. Yeah. And you know how you know equity markets work is that obviously the, the interest rates feed through into the discount rate of, of how you value uh, equity markets. So with that remaining higher for longer, you know, I believe that you know, there's not really a, a, a massive recovery in the offering. I mean, it, it will obviously still depend on what the Fed does, but we think yeah. you know, rates are probably higher for longer. Uh, Rickus, uh, do you feel the same that we're not going to see a massive recovery? Because I'm also just trying to gauge um, on the uh, what we can expect from the growth stocks. I mean, they've been beaten down heavily, and because of that, do you think that because of even do you think that even with a slight recovery, we could see a stampede going into those growth stocks from this low base that we saw this year? Oof, that's forecasting. I don't like doing that, but um, <laughs> it's. Let's let's start at some point. Yeah. What we've seen is a compression in valuations on growth versus value. In other words, um, from very lofty valuations, as far as growth is concerned, approaching closer to where to be your so-called value stocks are. So that's the one thing. Um, the second is what is market sentiment going to do going forward? Now, first of all, a lot of so-called growth companies has turned out to be cyclical companies. I'm just thinking of, you know, companies that sell advertising or, or Tesla that sells cars. You know, it's 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 no different from, you know, despite all the technology, in the end, it's still a product that you sell. So there might be market optimism going into the near year. What bothers me is historically when America goes into a recession, you get a stock, a market sell-off. So let's say by... March, April, May next year, um, depending on what that recession looks like, um, that could influence in any market that's been or that was pushed higher just because of sentiment as the rate of increase in interest rate slows. So I'm a little bit hesitant to say this is a turning point. So at the moment, I'm still just treating this as a rally and Obviously, there's opportunity in rallies, but I would be very hesitant to say, well, um, we're out of the woods. Mm. Uh, we were talking about China earlier on and, of course, the influence um, of um, a better performing uh, economy in China on the commodity stocks. Uh, and uh, there's a question here on, Sas it just says Sasso, but uh, I'm guessing that is asking the panel on whether one should be or enter Sasso right now, if this would be a good time. Uh, Sandalisiwe, do you think that the environment is still supportive of, of a bullish um, view on, on Sasso? Um, so, so one of the things, um, you know, to your point earlier about the China reopening, so one of the things, you know, 
I was thinking about or we were thinking about as a team really is that um you know with the reopening it's likely to probably drive up some sort of demand for oil I mean obviously Cecil being a, a play on 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 the rand oil so you've got the oil price and then you've got the rand where it is and obviously rand weakness is, is I suppose net, net good for them so we've had a relatively weak rand which should be supportive of of the Cecil share and then you've had a share price which has actually just been quite volatile um in keeping with the, the theme I was talking about earlier so to answer your question I think if you're willing to stomach the volatility and um, you know, to what Rikas was saying, I don't know. I don't know how deep this this recession goes. And if you if you can look through whatever recessionary fears you've got coming through next year, I think you and as if you are, let's say, a long term investor, you can. You know, I, I say you should carry a, a probably a net a positive view on Cecil. Um, uh, yeah. The, the, the difficulty is obviously kind of looking through the short term, you know, uh, headwinds and the recession that's 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 being touted to come. That's the thing, because now, Rickus, what happens when you get a double whammy of recession um, and also still these operational challenges that Sasol is dealing with? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the bad news is is the operational problems that that they've got. So that is company-specific. The environment they're operating has got two sides to it. Um, I... You know, if you just take a look at U.S. energy stock levels, you know, gasoline, oil, that kind of thing, their reserve levels are at, gosh, I don't know how long, but it's it's very, very low. That, that's going to be refilled. That will have some impact on the oil price, which, by the way, we are used to having a sort of standard oil price that that's gone. You're now having a Russian oil price. You're going to have an oil price of the Russians selling to China. You're going to have an African oil price. So just be aware of that. But let's just say that there is probably an energy deficiency in the world and oil forms part of that. And that's positive for Sassel. On the other side, they've got their chemical business in Europe. Um, that's in deep trouble. We, we, we know Europe is in trouble and um, Cecil is part and parcel of that. Mm. The question is, which part is going to outweigh the other? And then secondly, if you don't want to sit with that problem, and you want a pure oil play rather than a chemical and oil play, and oil play, go and take a look at something like Exxon or BP or Shell or whatever. Ah, uh, okay. All right. I take your point there, uh, Rickus. Uh, thoughts on Glencore and Renogen with regard to medium long-term investments. Um, Sanlisiwe, pick one, Glencore or Renogen? Um, I think if you're putting a gun to my head here, I'd, I'd, put, uh, I'd pick rather Glencore. It's a bit of a more... Um, established business. I mean, it's got sort of uh, drivers' exposures to, firstly, energy on the one side, and then on the other side, you know, a little bit of the so-called new metals or battery metals in the form of copper and light. So, I mean, a reasonable amount of diversification for what is essentially a commodity share. And in the event of any kind of, um, again, uplift in the market, um, you know, I think Glenco is obviously likely to participate in that. And obviously, if the new age metals with uh, battery electric vehicles and, and, you know, the hydrogen economy, all of that takes off, which it seems like there's a, there's a common goal to make that take off. 
um, then you know the likes of Glencoe and, and anyone else exposed to those commodities will also benefit. Yeah. I mean, to that point, I, I mean, I also, um, I mean, I don't hate religion, but I, I, uh, you know, Glencoe, like I said, a bit of a more established company, a bit of a beast, uh, beast that I know of. Uh, rather than religion. Rickus, on your side, um, is there anyone that you prefer between between Renogen and Glencore? And I feel like you're actually going to say Glencore. <laughs> well, well, I've got another thought. Sinicela said um, or made the case for Glen Glencore very expertly, and I agree with all of that. Yeah. But my thought is, why not have both? Um, mm. It doesn't mean half half, but I mean. If you if you are interested in both of those shares, I would say that the um, the prudent move would be to have your majority in Glencore, but have Renogen as an option on its potential. Who knows? It might work out. It might turn out very well. And if it doesn't, at least you haven't exposed the majority of your capital to unnecessary risk. Mm -hmm. So yeah, have have. Have Glencore to make you sleep at night and Renogen to make life exciting. Um, and it is quite exciting, Rickers, just sticking with you, uh, because I just actually had a conversation with the CEO, um, and they have this uh, milestone. Of course, their uh, Virginia Phase 1 project is finally uh, on board, and they have now made their first delivery of the LNG gas. Of course, we know also that helium uh, is also in, 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 in demand. How are you looking at it, considering that they're still looking for a lot of capital for them to be an established player, but quite um, an exciting uh, company, it looks like. Yeah, that's, I think, um, which is also one of the reasons why I said, you know, don't, don't go and put everything into energy, you know, have a, have a small amount of your capital because the possibility, I think, is quite high that at some stage they will have to go to market in order to raise more capital to develop their project further. You know, in in uh, well, in a sense, they are at the moment an, an exploration company that have just delivered their first product, and we all know from the old days how volatile and also dangerous exploration companies can be. There must be proof in the pudding, and they've delivered the first slice of that with um, with their first delivery of LNG. But obviously, the excitement remains around helium. And if they can get that right, I, you know, it's not as if there's not a market for helium and it's not as if there's a lot of helium going around. If they can get that to work um, profitably and in time and, um, um, yeah, well, yeah. Let, let me end it there and say I think that is the excitement in that, in that company. Yeah, I guess really also depending on your risk appetite as well. Uh, talking about uh, risk appetite and volatility, let's go into construction. I bought quite a bunch of event shares at six cents before the consolidation. The restructuring process seems to be going well on track, especially with debt almost completely gone. I do see they made less money in 2022 than they did in 2021, but with good reason, as they have previously stated that they are going to be very picky with projects and only choose the best, so that is not a concern of mine. I'm still bullish on the company. Uh, I'd like to just get some expert opinions. The share price is cheap, even though the fundamentals of the company are getting a lot better. Please ask the panel uh, for their thoughts on Avenge. 
a cheeky one here, a cheeky comment. It has to be better than Marion Roberts. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> suddenly see where. <laughs> Avenge. Um, what are you thinking about their prospects, what they've done to get the business to where it is, and their prospects in that construction space? I mean, I think uh, the, the user who asked the question, or the viewer who asked the question, they might have answered their own question with that last comment. Because okay. you, in my mind, you want to bucket Avenge and Murray's in the same, in the same, put them in the same bucket, right? Mm. I mean, we are cautious on the construction guys in general, and particularly on those two names you've mentioned in, in, in the question, uh, because of the low margins that they, you know, get in Australia. You know, there's very little room for error when you're operating with such low margins. Um, and also, you know, the order book in Africa is slowing, um, you know, so we think it's one that we don't really want to uh, get involved with. I mean, we prefer some of the guys with much simpler projects, you know, say doing road refurbs and, and building roads and stuff, something like Arabex. I think there's a bit of a, a better pipeline in, in, in the name. We think the management is, is, is quite conservative in managing the business. We think that if anyone is going to uh, uh, be better at protecting your capital, it's, it's, it's those guys or one of those guys, you know, Robex or Afrimat or something like that. Mm. So the guys who've gone off and ventured into Australia, I don't know what's in the water in Australia, but, um, you know, they seem to come back with their tail between their legs. So uh, we don't uh, like to play with, with those guys. Yeah. Um, Rickus, I mean, there's generally a negative sentiment when it comes to construction. Uh, but would you rather stay away or... Would you, as Sanli Siwe um, uh, said, rather go for the simpler ones instead of the ones that have uh, tried to reject their strategy to go overseas, but things, things uh, haven't worked out? Construction companies are hugely risky and hugely cyclical. You know, at some stage, Group 5 was better value than Marion Robertson. Look where that ended up. Um, so it is for trading and it's for extraordinarily risky trading. It's not for investment. So I'll rest my case there. If you are interested in construction company because of some far off um, um, construction spending in South Africa, but possibly related to um, alternative power generation, then rather go and um, invest in the industrial space, whether it be Roynet, for example, then go and um, mess with the guys that's got to build the stuff and then get it wrong and then have to pay penalties, etc., etc., etc. So it's, it's for trading and it's not for investing. doesn't matter what the valuation is. Ah, all right. There's a question here on uh, companies from different sectors. What's the panel's view on Exaro, APSA and Capco? Uh, Sanli Siwa, which do you have an appetite for? Um, I have an appetite for probably what I consider the best of the bunch there is APSA. Um, I think, you know, I suppose at this point in the cycle, you have to a bit, be a bit cautious about uh, banks. I mean, they've, they've, they've likely benefited from the rising interest rates. So uh, going into the sort of what is now our near future, you might make a case for cycling out of bank, especially because we feel like it's a bit of a crowded trade. But again, just answering your question with regards to those three names, I think, you know, APSA, uh, good uh, kind of a growth story, uh, surprisingly, out of, out of a big four bank, mm -hmm. uh, a recent kind of reaching of manage, management, and they have now articulated a clear strategy for uh, 
growth and regaining their, their position amongst the big four uh, banks. And you're seeing that with, you know, the ROEs going back up to the 17% level and saying that they can maintain those levels. I mean, all the banks are currently giving you reasonably decent uh, dividends. And with the position that the banks have had uh, with regards to capital, where they preserved quite a bit of the capital through COVID quite well, and actually probably overshot the mark, they're now sitting with probably a bit more excess capital than what they might have used for. There's a case to be made for even more dividends or specials or buybacks from the banks. Not that they not that our banks necessarily love doing buybacks, but the point is that they're well capitalized and you can see further uh, return of capital from, from those guys. Uh, so I think, yeah, amongst those three, absolutely, definitely. Um, Exaro and uh, Capco, uh, Rickus, which one are you picking there? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I think that although it doesn't look like it in the short term, longer term, and I mean for the next 6, 12, maybe 18 months, we are sitting with a energy deficient world. So in that sense, um, Exaro as a cyclical player, I think is still not a bad place to be. But as I've always said, with resources shares, it goes up, don't forget to sell because at some stage you're going to be on the wrong end of that cycle. Capco, I am, I saw at least in their latest results or at least announcement, their footfall is increasing, which is, I suppose, better than it's been for a number of years. But then on the other hand, they are involved in a corporate action at the moment. Um, and um, I tend to stay away while that plays out to to see what you land up with. You know, it's it's sort of at the moment they are designing a horse, but it's two or you know it's two companies working together, and they might end up with a camel. So let that rather settle, and then go and take a, a look at Capco again. Yeah, and looking at that share price over the last year, it has had quite a terrible time. So. If you really do believe no. in the the story, maybe this would be a good time to enter, Rikas. Well, nice recovery already from the lows. I think about twenty percent up. So, so obviously people are looking at it and saying, "Well, it can't be that bad." Yeah. But as I said, I would uh, I would first have this merger out of the way, and then and then go and see, okay, what are we sitting with, and then rather than trying to value all the moving parts uh, piece with one thing that you can take a look at. Uh, okay. All right. So let's get to what uh, both of you are looking at uh, today, your stock picks. Sanelisio, what will it be? So my pick for the moment um, is uh, data tech. Uh, it, it's a relatively, it's not too small, it's a relatively small company, just less than 7 billion market cap. But I mean, you know, the reason for that, for my pick is that, um, you know, in this current environment where there's a lack of growth, you know, tough economy, especially worse in SA, even our local issues, uh, we like to look for self-help stories. So, you know, ICD benefited from COVID for kind of the work from home and the, the usual reasons uh, attached to that. And we think that the market might still be robust, save for the kind of semiconductor issues that impact all the guys, um, you know, a number of industries. But with, with data tech specifically, you know, you know, they've got good geographic expansion outside of South Africa. And I don't even think they have much operation in South Africa. Um, secondly, you know, there's been a lot of corporate action within data tech to unlock value for shareholders. You know, a couple of years ago, they sold a, a large portion of the business called Westcon in America to a company called Cisco. And they returned that, uh, the proceeds from that uh, uh, sale 
immediately as a distribution, as a, as a special dividend to shareholders. And they use the same MO now with the sale of the, the Nasdaq Mason business, which wasn't contributing a lot to profit, less than 10%. But at the time of the announcement, it was almost 40% of the market cap is what they were going to receive. So a big capital unlock, and mm-hmm. they just last week uh, distributed a special dividend, which accounted to which amounted to roughly 12, uh, a quarter of the market cap at the time. So good uh, capital return again from, from them. Yeah. And, you know, there's still an opportunity for further uh, merger and acquisition, whether right. someone like, again, Cisco coming back and buying the share or them unlocking further value. So we still think there's quite a bit of upside uh, yeah. from there. And it's currently trading at a 40% discount to the reported NAV. Um, and it's we see about sort of 60% upside to our kind of what we think is a, a yeah. fair valuation. So... Still quite a bit of upside there. All right. All right. And on your side, Rickus? Look, um, here's the thing. Things or things which are in fashion, the price of those things go up. And in a market as thin as we are currently in December, I'm taking a little bit of, of a longer look. And the one thing that's in fashion, and I think sustainably in fashion, is ESG. And therefore, playing it safe, looking long term, the Signia ESG fund. It's not as uh, good as it sounds. I mean, it's it's the methodology works on market cap. There's a certain score of companies that they include and some that they exclude. But as a starter, longer term, ESG is going to remain in fashion. Prices of things that are in fashion goes up. And um, so it's not something that's going to double overnight. But I think as um, a starter in that sector, you know, you'll have a broad um, spectrum of investments Mm. by just allocating some capital to that kind of fund. All right. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for your time and for your insights today. Uh, My guests, Rikas Riedes from PSG Wealth Reimsich and Sanili Siwe-Dofila from All Weather Capital. Do join me again tomorrow for the Friday edition of Stockwatch. (laughs) 